welcome to episode two of the Dabganistan podcast. Episode right? two. Episode two. We got it up. We're, we're, well, we didn't get it up yet, but we're recording it, and we actually got to, to uh, episode two without fucking killing each other, huh, Dave? Not so bad. Not so bad at all. Had some technical so difficulties a- this morning. <clears throat> yeah, we had technical difficulties last week, too, right? We got yeah. through it, so it's all we'll, good. So we'll listen, get better let's, and better. Let's, let's start off. Um, um, let's recap real quick, okay? Um, we touched base on who you are, right? I, I realized we watched the last episode. We never touched base on who, who I am. Yep. Just, we're kind of like assuming people know who the fuck I am. And, uh, um, we should and they do probably that, right? don't, so, yeah. I yeah, mean, nobody, exactly. nobody knows who the fuck you are. Exactly, bro. <laughs> who the fuck am I? All right, so I'm, I'm, I'm a touring guy that worked in the business for 23 years, and I worked for Slayer for 16 of those 23 years, right? That's a short version of my career. You were right? a tech and, for uh, Jeff, or you worked for everybody? Like, what all did you do? I started out as Jeff and Tom's tech, and then they moved me to just take care of Tom and stage manage. And then we had issues finding a, a guy for Jeff. We like fucking had, a, it was like a revolving door for like two tours or three tours, whatever it was. And they finally- Jeff was pretty moved. aggressive, right? Like I heard Jeff was pretty aggressive. Like some of the mistakes that I made working for Carrie, I heard get, Jeff would have like thrown a guitar at me and possibly nah. fired me on the spot. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Did he have a rep as being hard like that? No. Not at all. So, I all mean, right. he just- I think what it is is too like he was a hard um he was a hard nut to crack right you know what I mean like fucking after eight years of work with him fuck I'm lucky he even knew my name for fuck's sake you know what I mean like you know so it wasn't like he was he was like that he just was you know real he was a recluse dude kept himself you know what I mean so and so you came into Slayer sixteen years ago sixteen years ago so and then I worked for right I, I went from and then they put me back to Jeff I took care of Jeff shit and then uh. What the fuck happened? I think I did both again until we got Johnny back, right? Then Johnny came and took care of Tom's shit. Then I just took care of his, the stage right guitar player. And then, you know, the whole shit went down with Jeff. And then when uh, when they bought Gary in, you know, Gary made sure that uh, I, I, kept, I had a job, right? Because I was pretty much almost lost lost my gig that day. I remember going into a, a mass tent, you know what I mean? So, fucking fire truck. That- Sorry about that. New York fucking city, man. Jesus Christ with you. Yeah, well, hey, bro, I live in New York City in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, bro. Sorry, right? <laughs> but um, so that's 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 my story, right? And you, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I don't know, bro. Bunch of dogs barking, dude. Whatever. So let's recap real quick. We left off at the last the last thing, which is with the Iceland trip, right? Right. So we we. We finished the show in Austin. You're bombed. We wake you up at four in the morning to fucking drag all your guitars into the hotel, right? So we could check, you know, get them into the room and then get get them on the plane the next day. You're bombed. You fucking have no idea what you're doing. You wake up the next day. What'd you do? Hang on, hang on, hang on. We got to step back a little bit. <laughs> so I'm bombed because I fuck up the show. And before all this, right, but this, is, this is the end of the first tour when I had taken over for somebody else. So before all this, I'm just a guest. I'm out there goofing around. I got a really fancy camera, got all kinds of shit with me that, like, you probably wouldn't have if you were out there just working the whole time. So, so that's what got left on the bus. <laughs> and Bro, so the, you left all your suitcase, you left all your shit. All my clothes. $10,000 worth of fucking camera gear <laughs> on the bus, right? I, I wake up the next day. I go outside to scope out a good spot to smoke. I see this guy walking around with just the look of like, yo, like you, I don't know. you. Just I don't like want to see, the, the only person right? I don't want to see is you. And, and I walk I around the corner you, and you're and like, you you're like, yo, what's up? The, 
and said, then, where's the bus? And I you started like, laughing. I was like, listen. You were like, well, hang on, hang on. Then, no, no, no. It was before no, you no, the no, bus. No, 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 no. hanging on, all right? You fucking, <laughs> then you looked at me. You're like, oh, where's the bus? And I said, bro, what are you talking about? The bus is in Dallas at this point. It left hours ago. Like, what do you, what, you know? And you were like, let's throw my shit on there. What did I look at? I said, wait, hold on. You got your passport? And you're like, yes. Okay, well, then don't worry about it. We can get to Iceland and even we'll figure out the rest. Even before that, I was like, I was like, yo, dude, I fucked up. And you were like, yeah, yeah, I know. You left carry on plug. It ain't no big thing, right? Like, I mean, you were kind of blowing it off. And I'm like, no, nah, bro, where's the bus? <laughs> and you and were like, like, you were like, what do you mean, where's the bus? And I was like, dude, all my shit's on the bus. And you're like, what the fuck do you mean all your shit's on the bus? This is the last day of tour. We're going to Iceland. And I'm like, yeah, I got no clothes, man. I've got my shorts. I got what did I fucking- do? And what did I do for you? What did I do for you at that point? <laughs> you, gave, you did give me the shirt off your back. You gave me a jacket, underwear to wear, a pair of jeans. As you, if you guys can imagine me wearing Warren's clothes. <laughs> <laughs> physically, we're a little different. Now, physically, a little. <laughs> it was fucking hilarious. As soon as I got to ice, well, it was dude, cold as balls too. Like, it was so cold. In the middle of July, right? But it was, it was like the warmest degrees. time. It's the warmest time to it's go to ice. Forty Iceland. degrees, bro. It's forty it degrees. Was there. Fucking Rain cold fucking as fuck. <laughs> you know, whatever. So we got through that, and you learned a very important lesson, right? I learned a few important lessons. <laughs> yeah. Now so, fast forward real quick. We ended up getting that fucking camera stuff back, didn't we? Shockingly, because karma actually does exist. Almost and, a year later. And right? I, Almost and a, a year later. And I do my best to be a good person. <laughs> a year later. That's another Jason hey, Kane. So that, <laughs> that is another story to tell. Right? Yeah, yeah, another, yeah. Like honestly, story yeah. To tell that, another time that, that camera and about Fast forward to a year later, that shit will pop up randomly somehow. <laughs> right? It's fucking nuts, dude, right? The fact that I was even out there right then, everything about it, it's just absurd. Bro, you were crushed. You were crushed. <laughs> it was like, like, just like, like you, know, you know what I mean? You basically like just crashed your car, right? You totaled your car. You know what I mean? Dude, like, it was horrible. It was horrible. And then it, all my shit was going to be on the bus for the next leg. And the, I mean, the, the amount of disappointment that sank into me as I walked up to that bus and that case was not, oh, fuck, man. <laughs> just the whole thing. The whole thing was just but devastating. But then you forgot about it and miraculously. Dude, everybody was giving me shit. Everybody, like, Rick Sales was giving me shit. Everybody heard this fucking story. And they're like, wait, you got no clothes, right? Like, the whole fucking flight to, to Rick Iceland, Sales, it was horrible. Rick Sales is the band's manager, by the way, right? So. <laughs> shit was ridiculous. It was horrible. <laughs> All right. Okay, so All let's right. get into. Uh, do we? Um, we got to touch do, base uh, on something real quick, right? Because it's going to be a recurring theme. Because I'm about to dig into multiple episodes of Cobra Kai on YouTube. I'm not exactly sure. I'm guessing this is on YouTube Premium or something. I just found out it existed. But you, but first of all, we do not start the show by desecrating the name of Daniel Larusso. I'm just saying, Daniel Larusso was kind is of a what. Is a sociopath? So he, here's the thing. He's kind of a little fucktard, right? Especially in that movie. I have a respect for Daniel LaRusso because he was then in Crossroads and he competed against Steve Vai no, no, as no, the no. devil. Well, on, no, no, it's out. all the same Rob character. Macchio. It's, it's the Rob same character. Macchio it's the same character. No, no, it's the same fucking character, right? It's all the same shit to me. And like whether Ralph Macchio in The Karate Kid influenced your life or in Crossroads may have led you, led you down a different path, but regardless, the guy is an influential, influential in so many lives, right? And then, it, you know, a couple years ago, 
all the shit kind of pops up. I mean, all the shit, like it's, you know, in weird circles uh, on the internet that, you know, poses the premise that Daniel actually, you know, wasn't the good guy in that movie. And all that's just been shoved down your throat by Hollywood production. And in reality, you know, Johnny was kind of the one that got screwed in that whole movie. And, and apparently it's been even readdressed in Cobra Kai as a whole other series. So, so this is an important discussion that really has an impact into life overall. Crossroads may have been one of the greatest movies ever made. And, and the Karate Kid set the stage for everything that came thereafter. Crossroads is better than Die Hard? Oh yeah, yeah, what are you kidding? I, oh, dude, I think Crossroads was nominated for an Academy Award. Now you're opening a whole nother door. Just die hard, bro. That's like dude, the best Christmas movie ever. It's not even a Christmas movie. Oh, see, now we're going to get into oh, that discussion now. Fuck, all right, man. Now, let's do what Karate did. First of all, dude, Johnny was the bully. He wasn't a bully. He was trying to turn his life around. He was a bully. Johnny wasn't perfect. He was a flawed hero as well as Daniel. Not a hero. He's a <laughs> he was bad definitely guy. a hero. He wasn't a bad guy. He was trying to turn his life around. It was his senior year. There's even the scene before the dance, like he smokes weed with his friends. Like he's not even that aggressive. Who smokes weed? And that is super oh, aggressive. he's not that aggressive. Meanwhile, he's fucking do or do do or die, Cobra Kai, right? No mercy, right? Come on. I mean, he was just following you know, the way of his instructor. Half the movie yesterday. Yeah, right? no, see, and I see. I have to clock in the parking lot. Okay, where he fucking. Where they jump him and beat the shit out of him. You say that this old man assaulted these kids, bro? Come on. The old man did really? assault the kids and jumped him because they just ruined his weed. They just ruined he Daniel bro, they uh, ran him unprompted the road for months. Him. For months. We're well into October, right? So school has started at this point. That dude, that was back in the summer. This is months later. They're like at the dance, right? Like they're minding, they're like Dan Johnny's minding his own business. Daniel comes in and gets his weed soaking wet. In 1984, like it was number one, highly illegal, and number two, here I got it. I got to invite our guests. Dude, first thing. of all, number well, number two, to, you, not only was it highly illegal, do you know how hard it is to get weed at that point in time? Like in 1984, <laughs> and then like they're gonna fucking like that. That's fucked up, man. That's fucked man, it up. Was one joint. Hey, they were rich kids, right? They could afford to buy more joints, man. Come on. Rich kids. Come on, man. That doesn't mean there's oh, lead around. It's 1984. This <laughs> poor kid lived in Reseda and shit, bro. Come on, dog. He rode a bicycle to school. These dudes rode cars and shit. And he could run. They have five dudes. And you're hating on them because they had a little bit of money because their parents no, had money? Like, I mean, it sounds like it sounds like that's what made him a bad guy. How's that the case? Five dudes rolled up on a kid on a, on a motorcycle. That wasn't cool. I'm not saying everything they did was right, but everything Daniel did was wrong. Right from the get, man, like he rolls in and like kicks his buddy like when he's walking into their apartment building and he's like, oh yeah, I've been studying fucking karate forever, right? It's like, oh, whatever, on. bro. Look, he's uh, just trying, look, we're, hey, how many times have you been a new kid trying to fuck, meet friends, right? Meet people, you're just trying to fit in, you know? And then I mean, they just, he be met honest. A girl on, on, look, you know, honesty the beach, is, the right? honesty is the best policy. Honesty is the best policy. He just policy. got there, bro, okay? And he's trying to kick it with this girl. This dude rolls up and like, all right, maybe that's her ex-boyfriend and maybe he should have... Oh, know, wait, we're jumping to the beach scene? The beach scene's a different game, man. Like, she already mean, basically oh, told him did. to go pound Listen, sand, all man. He did, 
So you're you're telling me you're condoning a male going up to his ex girlfriend and smashing her property? No, of course not. Of course not. Like it wasn't appropriate. He was being far too aggressive. So Daniel, but she also wasn't in danger at all. It's not like he was grabbing her. He did not the radio out of her hand. Totally inappropriate. He was not like it would have had a relationship for years, man. Every. They had a relationship. Daniel's all like wanting to look like a big man. Listen, walks in with his karate and doesn't do even you know catch, how to do karate. Listen, do you catch base? Do you do you play baseball? I don't. I don't. Well, you should learn because you need to catch this. Shh. <laughs> Shush. Oh. Shh. <laughs> Listen, bro. You cannot argue the beat scene. Are you out of your mind? The dude shoved the radio into him. What's he supposed to do? So hang on. He shouldn't have been involved in that from the get. That's the thing. Why? He, he was never just kicking there. it with this girl. He was, he was not just girl. kicking it. He was just sitting there like googly eyeing her, like creeping her out. What are you and then about? and then like kicks the like wants to like kick it with her and she boots the ball like a fucking no, couple dude. hundred yards away, being like, get the Hold fuck on. out, just trying to be cool. Listen, she was just this trying discussion, to be cool. This discussion will continue when you rewatch the movie and get I do the have facts to rewatch the, the movie. I do have okay? to rewatch because the movie. Because when they rolled up he was already kicking it to her, showing her how to dribble with the soccer ball on his knee. And then she dude. booted it away and was like, kind of yeah, get the fuck she out. Saw dude rolling up, man. I don't think she, she did, man. Her back was to him. Like, he was up there on the hill. At first, I was going to argue that they weren't even there when that went down, but they were there because they rode up, like, right afterwards, right? And he saw her down there kicking it with him. And that, yeah, like, that's why he rolled shit. down there, right? He knew, but he went down there to look for trouble. He was in love, right? man. Come on. He was a young kid in love. Like, he was passionate so so if you're in love and young it's okay to uh, uh break women's property and keep oh them you're bouncing all over the place man you can't be deflecting <laughs> like that like we got to stay on an individual topic you can't be bouncing all we, are. Over the we are the topic of you're saying this dude was in love and so you're condoning all the all his actions right no i'm just condoning that like if i were a dude and i really wanted like the girl to like me i would probably respect her boundaries and say hey you know if she's talking to her ex-boyfriend maybe let them sort their shit out and as long as i'm a good dude i don't have to sit here and i fuck her all night like i can actually be a cool guy and eventually she'll come around right I, now if it got inappropriate like fully inappropriate to where it's like yo this guy's got to get stopped because he's gonna hurt her or something yeah step in you know step in and fuck him up and don't even like all pose and then he sucker punches him basically so hold on so johnny out. steps out of the so way like he acts like a <laughs> so you're telling me that him picking up her bomb. radio and smashing it is okay it's not the time to step in uh, he didn't smash it, right? Yes, he like, did. No. She said you broke my radio. You broke oh. my radio. That's the exact line she said. I mean, yeah, it wasn't cool, right? It oh, wasn't cool. Yeah, man. She, dude, he he stepped in to avoid to stop a violent confrontation a between violent, a male and It a was female. not violent. He just smashed the radio, he, bro. He made he made it violent. Like that's what happened. Like I mean, Daniel right, stepping you know in made it I violent. Think. I think we should bring up our guest right now, right? And it, see what he's what he's what his uh, view of this opinion is. So, what, I I mean, we didn't even get into this with our guest. We didn't even prep him for any of this. But you know, Chuck is. I mean, Chuck's a little bit older than we are. You know, he has an opinion. Well, this is our, all right. So our guest. I, I wonder if he's. I wonder the if he's legendary Chuck about. Billy from from Testament, right? Yeah. I mean, dude, another Bay Area legend, right? Yeah. I mean, larger than life figure, right? You know what I mean? Forefathers of Thrash, right? Testament, even 
dude, there's no way that you're going to sit there and, and, dude, Johnny's the bully, bro. There's no way. Daniel was doing the right thing. He came in, stopped a violent confrontation, got beat up for sticking up for this girl, right? Got punked out in front of all these kids, new guy. Think how he feels, man. Got to go home, like, dude, like a lost puppy. Poor kid, I mean, man. I'm not beat saying up. he doesn't feel bad and it's a fucked up situation for him, right? Like, I and think then he, he shows just, up the next day. He handles it 100% wrong. Did they? Yeah, the, 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 dude. When they went on the soccer field, Johnny looked at Bobby and went, or did <coughs> Oh. Right? And Bobby hooked him. And did all this stuff, right? Bobby hooked him, and then he fucking ground and pounded him on the thing. Like, he completely, he's a violent maniac, basically, man. (laughs) He is an out-of-control violent maniac. Like, he he sucker punches Johnny. I mean, and he's honestly kind of delusional on top of being a violent maniac. Yo, these dudes beat the crap out. They gave him a black guy the whole nine, right? This guy hooks him in soccer. What's he supposed to do, man? A totally illegal move. I mean, it is an Same illegal guy move, that later but in the movie, snaps his knee right with an illegal kick. Same guy, same dude. It is the same dude. I mean, he kind of deserved it at that point, right? He had grounded, pounded him on the school fucking playground. Why'd he trip him? I mean, come Why'd on. Like, for no reason? Was, and I don't even know. I, that may have been an accident. Door. I don't even know that he did that on purpose, did he? Bro, it's uh, Johnny looked at him as did one of these, right? <laughs> come on, bro. And all right, all right. I'll give you that. That guy was a dick, man. But like, here's the still, fun fact. It was you still... know that Johnny's boy, the guy with the curly blonde hair. That's um, that's some, that's Rick Flair's son or something. That's someone famous' son. Really? Yeah, look that up. Yeah. So. Chuck, watching participants list. So let's let's cover the, the the topics today, right? That we're gonna we're gonna talk about with Chuck, right? They got a new record out. Dude, Chuck's Chuck's repertoire goes deep. They actually just dropped a Lamb of God just dropped a song yesterday, the day before go. yesterday, with Chuck on it. Was- he just uh, he actually just recovered from from COVID as well, right? So yep. there he is. What's going on, bro? What's up? All right. What's happening? All right. Well, thanks, first, thanks sir, uh, for coming on and doing this with us, right? Oh, yeah. So real quick, let's, Dave, do you want to talk about Karate Kid real quick? Yeah, yeah. Let's just finish okay. with the transition. So, so Chuck, you, you, you've seen Karate Kid, right? Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so now you, you hear the premise now that, that everyone is saying that Johnny was the good guy and Daniel was the sociopath and he was the instigator and start, actually started all the fights? No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, there's a whole. Wait, 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 wait. About that. I don't buy that. Wait. Are you just saying no based on have you heard the premise before, or have you I not have heard not, the premise? I have not heard the premise, but I can't believe that either, though. I don't <laughs> so, Chuck, Chuck, right? Come on. It's been no. a while since I've seen that. I gotta, I gotta watch no. it again. Right, he so he, he, he shoves the radio no, no, into okay. him. This discussion but, needs to be continued when you rewatch the movie. Is this why we're late? You guys have been arguing the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> there ain't no technical difficulties. You guys That was the technical difficulty in Warren's <laughs> fucking brain. No. <laughs> All right, so let's get into this, bro. All right, so um, let's talk about this new song that Lamb of God just did uh, called Rouse that you that you uh, yeah. sing on. Yeah, in the last 48 hours, you got a new, uh, you have a new song dropping. I didn't even know that was what was coming out. Um, well, they hit me up to like, you know, let me know that it was coming out and share it. And I did the track, man, it's been a while since I did the track. So I haven't heard it for quite a while. And that was last summer, right? That you guys recorded? Yeah. That? And, you know, I didn't really hear the whole, the whole thing. You know, there was, a, you know, I just had my part 
So once I heard the finished product, I was like, man, I think you're really sweet. You know, when did you get to hear the finished product versus uh, when it actually dropped? I just heard the song again uh, yesterday after oh. the final mix yesterday sent me was talking to Maria Maria hit me up said you hear, the song's out here's some stuff you know share I go man I haven't heard it yet so <laughs> oh, that's that awesome. yesterday and yeah it came out cool <laughs> so <laughs> when did they when did they approach you about even being on that album on that song and like where did you well, when did you get involved like did you help write any of those lyrics like I mean give us a little more background on the track well, first of all, me and Randy, like, you know, we connected and talked about the whole Standing Rock and and uh, his involvement and his experience going out there. And we have a mutual friend um, in Minnesota that uh, was with him and told me some pretty horrific stories when they were like, you know, out there that they've experienced. And, you know, it, it really hit me. I was like, man, I got, I want to go out there, you know, and represent and, you know, just be out there and support. And, and, uh, and then when he really approached me about the song, he mentioned that, you know, Hey, that is experience. He decided to, uh, write a song and, uh, he needed, he needed my voice and he, I was a native that, you know, he knew that would definitely step up and use my voice to help him carry his message. And, and his experience and you know his story through his lyrics and and uh a lot of people right away know. i was like yeah you know send it over and i was like well what do you want me to do you know i don't you want me to sing my heavy voice or you want me to be more he goes no no do the more of the smoother stuff in there and i'll do the heavier stuff on the other end i'm like all right cool no problem so sent it over and you know whipped it out and and came out awesome dude came out great yeah a lot of people don't know randy actually spent thanksgiving there standing with all those guys out there you know what i mean against all that so that that to me that says a lot man that's you know but randy's like that he's a good dude you know what i mean he, he'll stand up for what he believes in, you know so he will. and that was a good, well definitely a good cause to stand up for right so yeah i mean uh, there's a message and and to have uh something that touched you so deep and meant so much for you to be able to translate that through your music through a message through music is you know, it's pretty special and that's pretty awesome. And if people can relate to the message, support the message, you know, that then, then job done, job well done. You know, he, he, it's, you know, he got it, you know, his story conveyed what he was feeling out there, you know, so. Sure. And it's, you know, especially what's going on in the world today, right? Everyone kind of needs a good message out there right now. So it's crazy. I was just thinking about that today. I was like in my head going, you know what? you know watching news this morning chaos around the country and stuff and all the protesters being violent and stuff and i'm like man i almost want to go up to the reservation it's nice and peaceful up there there's nothing going on it's up here smoking weed, smoking weed and chilling man right now you know probably so yeah, you know, man, I'm, like, shit. I'm ready to head to the hills <laughs> so let's talk about the reservation real quick what's your involvement um with with those guys i mean i've heard you talk about the talk about the reservation in relation to the cannabis business stuff i mean um well, are you involved in the politics the out there and the, the tribe's been involved with some people for the last couple of years um growing cannabis and stuff and so you're, you're part of a tribe then you're part of a yeah, tribe. pomo uh pomo it's up northern california it's about two hours north of san francisco and um, my cousin Brian, who lives on Hopland, it's where the reservation's at. He's on the council, and you know, and once they started working with this outside source to grow, 
they really wanted to put a cannabis council together. So he got me and three other guys to put together a council to kind of monitor what's going on on our land because we're letting them use the land to grow and, um, you know, to get rid of the product and, and, and share the profits with the tribe. So does so, that fall under tribal regulations or does that yeah. fall under state of California regulations? How does that uh, interact with the, uh, it, the BCC it and all that? Both because our tribe actually can grow and also can distribute, can sell. So they can actually have the function where they can go downtown, which they have property right on 101. You would drive right through Hopland on the highway there and, and uh, they can open a dispensary there and you can come in and pick up whatever you want. And once you leave Hopland, you're, you know, you're kind of on your own. Is it the same kind of, I mean, and I ask, there, there's a handful of folks that I know, obviously, in the cannabis industry out there in California, I am. Uh, is it the same implications as far as taxes and pain in the ass with the BCC, or is it regulated to where you guys basically can control that as long as you guys have the right parameters in place, then it, then the BCC allows it to happen um, based well, on it being it, on tribal it this land? Way, it's a new thing for the tribe, and I think the tribe is learning a lot through this first deal um oh so this is the first round really this is the first deal with them and so that they they've, they're learning a lot of things that they've done right and wrong so it's still a process where you know the pro the tribe isn't really profiting yet so <laughs> most of the industry out. isn't profiting honestly <laughs> yeah. you know, unfortunately yeah so but you know still you know you know, they're, they're handling, I think, as far as uh, regulation goes, I mean, they could take it a step further and actually, like everybody else, grow it, um, test it, you know, put it, you know, bag it up, tag it, and distribute it, you know. Um, but it, they're, like I said, this, this is this first round doing business with these people, and now we're learning, and now we have more property, and I think they're probably going to try to expand, and and do some deals with other people with other parts of the land, you know, cool. and, and do different things different from what they learned off this first venture, you know. Is it uh, just out of here? Is it outdoor greenhouses? Yeah. Outdoor. Wow, cool. So agriculture <laughs> style. Yeah, I mean, I mean they ended Northern up Cal out like 100 year old vineyards of great vineyards there just so they can recultivate, you know, marijuana. So, wow. The, the soil's great up there, you know. Oh, yep. yeah. So oh, yeah. hey, so good. Let's get back to your your roots. So, so let's talk about your roots real quick. You you are 100 percent um, Native no, American, yeah. Not not 100. I'd say well, according to my blood and my what do you call that? Where you take ancestry. the ancestry. Ancestry. 51 percent. 51 percent Native. 49 okay. Mexican. Yeah. Wow. My That's my mother is Mexican and Indian. My father is Native American. Yeah. So. That's awesome, man. That's crazy. Hi, uh, let's say hi to Tiffany Billy real quick. That just strolled by real quick. Uh, creeping here on the side. Hi, you guys so are you guys, for the coffee. You guys <laughs> I got been married. The best coffee cup ever. <laughs> that is. So you guys were married for thirty-one years. Well, we'll be together thirty-one years in August, and uh, we've been married. It was in 94, so we're coming Whoa. up on 26. Whoa! You must have just that picture off my Facebook page. Young, young couple in love. Look at that. Look at that. So let's, let's wow. get in. How, how'd you guys meet? Uh, well, you know, I, I scout them out real young. 
Now, honestly, uh, me and one of my best friends, uh, when we were, I don't know, we were 19, 18, 19. Somewhere around there. Somewhere around there. She must have been 13, 14 or something, or even younger. Like, I like think 14. about 14. Yeah, and, I had uh, She was hanging out with my buddy's younger sister. I didn't know her at the time, but she obviously knew who we were. And we were, you know. It was funny. The older brother <laughs> used to always tell me, because I always go, you guys are fucking gross. Because they would just hang out with these skeezy old chicks. Come on, drunk. <laughs> and then the older brother used to always kind of come around and nudge up. I go, you're fucking gross. Someday you just wait. You're going to want this. And he would make me joke. And I was like, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I think after that, a couple years later, when I started going to gigs with all my friends, you know, in the Bay Area, there was a metal show every other day in the 80s. Um, and I would see Chuck there. And this was before even him being in Testament, kind of knew who he was from my friend's older brother. And uh, as time went on, he joined the band. All of our friends were all in bands. So we would see each other quite a bit. But it was just always, you know, a simple hey. Um, until in 89, they uh, had two shows in Oakland. Went there with some friends. And on a Friday and a Saturday, we were dating on Monday. And we moved in together three weeks later. Wow. I, 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 I split on tour right after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he got me all well, set up in a nice place and then he booked. <laughs> but, you, but now you, you tour with Testament most of the time, don't you still? Yeah, you, right? I've been working with them now for probably... 10, 11, 12 years. When okay. uh, our son graduated high school and moved out, Chuck was gone on the road. The kid was gone. I was home alone. He's like, well, I could either leave you home alone or I can pay you to come work for me. Well, and at the time, you know, we were going through some assistance. And at the time, we didn't have an assistant. We're like, well, Tiff could do this gig. And so Tiff came out, nailed it, and kind of just grew into what she does now, you know, a little yeah. Well, yeah, you guys kind of do everything now, don't you? <laughs> yeah, let's look at that. Remember that picture? Remember that picture? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's funny, that old picture you were showing of Chuck and I, I could, it's one of those photos where I can tell you the date and the place only because it was my birthday. It was uh, that old photo when you guys played the Santa Monica Civic mm -hmm. on my birthday, December 16th, 1989. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, our Same son- Same with CMC that night, right? Yeah. yeah. Our son's seen some video footage backstage probably 10 years ago, and he's looking at these old videos, and he's like, hey, who's that standing next to dad? He was like butthurt about it. I'm like, dude, that's me. And he's all, what? That's not <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's mom. And he's like, no. <laughs> no way. So, Rook, do you guys, are there like, do you guys have a tips for anyone? Because like, yo, staying together for 31 years nowadays, that's unheard of, especially when, the, you know, the beginning of the career, Chuck was gone, right? You know, all the time, like, was there anything different or special that you guys did to make, like, well, stay together? Kind of, for, it was know? different for us, too, because, you know, I had a son and all the other guys in the band were, you know, a couple of them had girlfriends or single, and all of a sudden Chuck's got a girlfriend full-time living with her and a kid. Yeah. They were like, what the hell's going on? But we kind of <laughs> did it where... Like every two to three weeks, if he was going to be gone, you know, six week period, every two to three weeks, I'd pop out for a few days, you know, and shit, I'd never left California. Next thing I know, I'm bopping all over the place to go hang out and visit, which was awesome. Um, and then it got cool when the kid turned about nine, 10 years old, then we would trade off. We would send him out to go spend time with his dad by himself. 
Oh, nice. Yeah, that was the best thing ever. I think, yeah, I think that's when I first met him, right? When he was younger. Now, now it's like every time I see him, I'm just like, damn, dude. He's like a grown man. 33. It's like when I see uh, uh, Dave Lombardo's kids, you know, same thing. I just remember them all being these little kids around on tour. And now I see them, they're all grown up. And it's just like, what, what? Oh, my God. How much time did Dave Lombardo uh, make the third kid on the Testament for Yeah, that? he did. Dave Lombardo. <laughs> yes, yes, he did. That's right. He, uh, so Sophie was conceived on the sofa, right? So, when did you guys meet, Warren? Uh, well, we met, okay, so we met uh, through Norm, Norm Costa. Um, he's, uh, he worked with uh, Ch uh, Chuck, you know, Testament a couple of times, right? Doing a uh, couple tours or whatever. And he would just um, always say good things about him, right? And then I guess the first time Chuck we met, I think uh, me and Norm went out with the trade and we had a day off and, we, and Testament was playing. They were uh, on the Heaven and Hell tour. And we that's went right. out to the shows in Dallas. And I think that's when we first officially met Chuck. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. then uh, uh, um, after that, for some reason after that, we just started crossing paths again a lot, right? And then we just, you know, would hang out or whatever. And then, you know, uh, I think was the, the Carnage, right? Uh, the Carnage tour we did in 2010? 2014 Carnage? Was that no, that was like 2009. Nine yeah, right? yeah. That yeah. Carnage tour we did, um, yeah, yeah. you know, like you, you became really good friends yeah, with Army, right? You know what I mean? Slayer, Megadeth and us. Yeah, yeah that, was the, that was the tour. And then we, you know, because of that, I guess, you know, we just, that was a tour we actually were on tour together. We ended up rowing down and, Hanging out. That's that, how we that, just became that friends. That tour is right? funny because that's when we first met Armand. Yeah, that's exactly. That's when we first met Armand. And it yeah, was funny I because a funny story me and Norm, that guy. Well, me and Norm would always, you know, tell Armand about like, you know, after I met Chuck, like, yo, you got to meet Chuck Billy, you know, whatever. And then Armand ended up becoming like your best friend. Meanwhile, Armand doesn't even smoke weed or anything. We were like, <laughs> dude, how did that happen? Like, that's you know what I mean? Like, what an unusual pair. But it was great, you know, because you you guys ended up like going to each other's houses on the times off and all that, especially after that. So I remember calling him like two days after that tour, you're on my truck Billy's house. I was like, what? You know? Yeah, he jumped so, in the car, drove up, and we were voting for a few days. Yeah, yeah we came yeah. we came good friends fast to help them like him and Cass move into the place and you know and just hung out, went traveled to LA a lot. They come up here a lot and just, you know, good good hang, good peeps, you know. Yeah, that's and you know, basically right through the week, Dave, you know, we would just hang out and smoke weed and just there, there he is, right back there. Do you see yeah. him back there? He's right here. That's all right. Oh, yeah, look at him. There he is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but the, urn, the urn right there. Yeah, that's him. That, yep. Like, that's him in there. I got a little bit I got a little bit of him in, in my bedroom, a little jar. So that's a big old that's a big old heavy bag of that, right Yeah, there. that's a big red <laughs> chair. It's I got crazy. a funny story when I met Armand on that tour. Uh, probably the second or third day, comes walking up and I'm sitting on the couch backstage, like in the common area that we always had. I'm sitting there and he comes by and he sits down next to me and he kind of taps me on the leg and he goes, so I see what's up. I'm all, yeah, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, I, I see what's up. And I go, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? And he goes, so uh, you, you work for the band or you're just kind of like with them? And I was like, dude, what are you fucking talking about? He goes, well, I seen you guys walking the stage and I was following to go watch your guys' show and I seen Eric kind of holding your hand and talking to you. And I go, yeah. And he goes, then before the band goes on, I see Chuck like tap you on the ass and kiss you. He's like, what's up? And I'm like, dude, are you fucking kidding me? But the best was, Harry was sitting on the couch right kitty corner to me. 
Carrie is dying. And you know how hard it is to make him laugh. But he's cracking up and he goes, dude, that's Chuck's wife. And he goes, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. Because I was thinking like, I seen you holding hands with Eric. And then I see Chuck kissing you, I go, too. <laughs> Eric forgets shit, so he probably grabbed my hand and pulled me close, saying, hey, I forgot my guitar pick or my phone. Can well, look at Armin. He is trying to move in right yeah. there. He is trying dude, to get you should have been like, dude, what, why are you paying so much attention to what yeah, I'm dude, doing? He was he trying was to like, get out of there himself. Well, that's what I said back to him. So I go, so now I see what's up. Yeah. <laughs> in other words, he's trying to slide in on you, huh, Tim? Yeah. <laughs> you guys are like an inspiration. You know what I mean? So... It's, it's hey, fucking really awesome. Your best friend. That's what it is, I think. Well, we're we're like watching the news and you know this whole uh, coronavirus and the lockdown. People are like people getting divorced and you know breakups and stuff. And we're like, we're all good, man. We're like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, we're, it's like we're back on the road. We're on we're at home up tour. We're just chilling now, man. So you guys, you guys had COVID nineteen. Yeah, yeah. You guys got sick on the way back from tour. Like, how are you feeling? How what was that experience like? Did you guys well, just stay quarantined there? We were, we were like, like I think we were like right in front of that, you know, the virus because you know it we chased were, us through Europe. When we were first started hearing about it, and 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 you know there was no like limitations of gatherings yet, but we were starting to hear about it and. You know, we're like, wow, we better, you know, hope we can get home. You know, we still got kind of time over here in Europe. And as time kept going, we're like, oh, no, this country, there's now can't have like 10,000 and then 5,000. And it got down to like 2,000. And then, and then uh, I mean, at one point, you guys had to cancel like two shows, right? The two shows got well, canceled. Once we got to Italy, you know, at that point, it started getting bad. And we heard Italy was, because our merchandiser, Panda, was uh, from Italy. In yep, he's from so Italian. Yep. It said, man, they're getting ready, you know, to lock down and stuff. And I think two days wow. before we got word that that show was canceled on February 25th. And we were like, fine, because the news was horrible about Italy. But it was... From, I think from that point on, it just felt like it was chasing us. We would leave we a country, there for and then days, they know. were shutting that country down the day after yep, we yeah. split. We're like, yep. oh, no. But we kind yeah. of like France and Spain and some English shows, and then back to Germany. And then the last show was, I think, in Belgium. Yeah, we were in Belgium on the 11th of March, 10th. or 10th of March, yeah. And then let's cancel that show. We, we were about 20 minutes to doors, and uh, we get word that tomorrow's canceled and they start like recommending that they should not ship play tonight and we're like oh man they're all stages everything's all set up so the promoter comes in and he's like hey man people are in we're going let's it's a go let's go we're like right on let's go and right. like this is the last show i guess because tomorrow is it and then we go home the next day and so that's was kind of show you know, packed still pardon was the show in belgium packed still Oh yeah. Yeah, it was sold out. The next show in Germany was sold out. We had to cancel. Yeah, I just so when, like, when, when did you guys start bail or anything? You know, it sounds like I mean everybody was still out ready to rage then still at that point. Nobody was sick at that point for like on our bus. You know, I mean and usually like Eric always is the guy getting a cold and colds go through our bus pretty good. This time was like everybody's pretty healthy, I think. It was strange you know? because I think knowing that that virus was going around everybody was already like uber sensitive washing their hands all the time you know sure. being super polite about stuff 
Not but I mean, for, everyone knows that, dude, on tour, like that's hard, man, no matter what. Yeah, 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 everybody gets it. Yeah. And Sharon's, you know, everything. Four so. inches away from somebody, you can't help but breathe their air. Yeah. Um, I had hand sanitizer everywhere. I had it on my belt every time someone would walk by me. I was literally like squirting people with it. <laughs> and we did the best that we could. Um, so when did you guys? Buses, it was, uh, when, go ahead. When did you guys start feeling sick? Like, was it so after we, you got home? We yeah. flew home on the 12th. I think it was a Thursday. I woke up Friday. And you know how you feel after five weeks, six weeks. Sure, sure. Sure. Up and yeah. jet lag and all that. I woke up on Friday feeling like shit. And he had already split and uh, was going to be gone for the weekend. His plans got changed because they were shutting down where he was going. So he calls me and says, hey, I'm coming back. And I said, all right, well, I don't feel that great. I don't know what's going on. I'm hoping it's just jet lag and feeling like crud. And by that night, it was like, it's so weird how fast and how hard it comes on. I was dead. And Saturday morning, the next morning, he woke up and I looked over and I was like, uh-oh. And we were within 48 hours of being home, we were down. So we yeah. started texting the other bands, our crew. And it was like, within that two-day period, the people that were sick, we dropped like flies. Like, oh man, never so, been that sick ever in my life. Like sick as in like you just had like fevers and and like stuff like how like did you guys have trouble breathing? Everything. It, it was from breathing to, I mean, just tired. Just couldn't. Like I said, we we when we felt the worst the first couple of days, we get home and we're tired. The dog threw up like you know five feet from us and we couldn't even move. To we clean. watched the dog the wow. throw up like two days. <laughs> <laughs> before, before we're looking at each other going, "You gonna get that? No, you gonna get that? No." Nope. <laughs> and then how long? How how long till you started feeling better? Well, it the shitty shitty parts of it I would say is about two weeks. Two and a, two and a half, yeah. Two, two weeks. weeks. Wow. Yeah, and then it was another couple weeks of just even being able to like build up your stamina. Up, back up. Oh, we would do something shit. like make the bed and you'd have to take a nap. Holy shit. <laughs> do some dishes, wow. lay back down for yeah, just, hours. You just weren't yourself, you know? You're just like, you know, I, I'm feeling better, but I'm not myself 100%. I mean, all the way down to, you know, I mean, we even found out later just through symptoms popping up about lesions on the feet. You know, we got home and before they even announced it, I had a little mark on my foot. And I'm like, what is that? And I thought, you know, took a photo. And then a few weeks later. Yeah, we even sent the photo to the doctor. Yes. We're like, hey, wow. you know, because we couldn't lay down. You couldn't breathe laying down. So we were on our couch this whole time. And where we were sitting, I could see his foot. And I took a picture and I texted to him from across the couch. I go, dude, something's on your foot. It looks like a cross between like a burn and a blood blister. Wow. Send it to the doctor. The doctor knew we were, you know, under quarantine or sick. He said, 30 days come in. If it's still there, we'll figure it out. And I think, like you said, within a few weeks, we started seeing on the news that people from Italy, Spain, and France were showing this new symptom of feet lesions. What the so fuck? I never thought anything of looking at my feet because I only seen his. I start looking at my feet and I have them too. I didn't even know it. Did they go away? Yeah, yeah. They, they went away. But all the way down to where your smell and taste and even depleted like your vitamins, like my hair and my skin and just everything just like, like sucked out. You know, it's oh, like, oh, oh man. Dude, that's so and, 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 and
now you know I'm back to feeling be able to do things all day and you know feeling pretty good. What about vocal wise? Getting of getting it going again, you know. Yeah. What about vocal wise? -wise? Like, I mean, have you done any singing exercises, or I mean, is your lung capacity about the same? Well, I I haven't. I'm on the bike again. I went right to the bike and started like, okay, my lungs. I got to get my lungs, you know, in shape and can't can't weak lungs. So I've been pumping the bike every day. And uh, I haven't had the chance to sing, but I did sing a song, 99 Bottles of Bear on the Wall that I'm gonna, I contributed one of the bottles for this uh, charity, uh, 99 Bottles of Bear on the Wall. <laughs> so, His lungs work fine. Yeah, my lungs work good on that, so it's fine. But, you know, I mean, I, you know, I, you know, as you get on tour, you, once you get on tour and you get your motion going, you're, you, you're in and you're going, my voice is feeling great. And now I feel like I've got to get back and start again now. It's, it's really feels like that. So, so that's the way things look, I don't have to do that for what? Yeah, you got a few months. So. <laughs> Doing anything special to like get better, to recover? Like, were you guys taking any medicine or were you just kind of just resting and, and drinking water and just that, huh? No, they didn't give us any. We, we thought they, like, some other people um, were had some medication, but yeah. we didn't get anything. I think Will got something while he was in the hospital. They and gave, they gave Will everything, got, I think. Yeah. yeah, poor Will got everything. KY, I think, yeah, he, they, they shot him up with everything, so. Yeah. yeah, KY got the, I think he got the malaria medication, too. He lives up the in hydroxychloroquine. Yeah. about four hours from us, and he was the first case in his area. And his doctor put him on that malaria drug right away. And did it help? Did, I haven't talked to KY. Yeah. Did it Everybody help? that had it, we're all pretty much back to normal now. Hmm. Um, wow. And Carlos, he got it, but he was stuck in Holland. Yeah. I heard that. I didn't realize that that's where he was stuck. I was seeing updates from him. And then all of a sudden, he was like, finally, I get to get on a plane and get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know what? He hey. to do the Lamb of God tour. And within that 48 hours of us leaving, the borders getting shut down. He got sick. Their tour got canceled. It was just every shitty thing that could happen happened to him right then. Wow. Yeah, so but you know what? He was stuck in Holland, right? So I'm sure he, he had plenty. You know what I mean? So it can't yeah. be that bad, right? You know what I mean? Uh, hey, could be worse, right? I mean, yeah. well, you guys know we had uh, Will on before. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We, we put to get we put to bed the uh, some of that controversy that it seemed like was largely media induced um between the heat uh, chuck that probably well. chuck is not even paying attention to but <laughs> 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 the media likes to stir shit so whatever you know what i mean well yeah, i mean i remember we you talk, talking to you guys for a brief moment yesterday and you mentioned i'm like what what are you talking about and then, like, <laughs> yeah exactly because, so. uh you know i mean i i really don't go on blabbermouth ever really and you know chase media look at it too often um but when you mentioned that, you know, me and Will threw a text back to each other and said, all good, you know, you know. Yeah, so you heard it here first. There's no beef. Fucking no beef. No beef. Yeah, no beef. Crazy. You know, they splice a couple of things together and they put half the shit in reverse and then it looks bad. When I, when I Googled it, there was three or four articles that had gotten picked up off the other one, each one making it sound a little more dramatic than the other. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. it, was, it was fucking These nuts. are the days of our lives. <laughs> I mean, everybody's sitting around with nothing to do. So, I mean, you know, we started a podcast. <laughs> Shit, he should have played on it. 
damn. <laughs> no, no doubt. You guys could have kept it going forever. Yeah, you, know? you should have played it out, man. You could have got the impression. Played it out, out, man. And had a big old series out of it. <laughs> right, you know what? Let's change it right now. You got beef with Will Cowell, right? All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, don't the metal scene to the wrestling scene. I was going to say we could do straight up WWE style. <laughs> uh, oh, dude, come on, man. Chuck Bay will destroy him, bro. Come on. So, Chuck, why don't you kind of go into like, like you know, you're the beginning of you in the in the in the Bay Area scene, right? You know what I mean? When you start well, going, going to shows and how you got into all that, like, did, did you well, play instruments before? In the Bay Area scene, probably eighty. Well, I mean, early. I mean, eighty, seventy nine, eighty. I'm sure, like early shows, but like before I started playing. I mean, of course, like eighty three, four, but. Um, I grew up in Dublin where Zet and Phil grew up, you know, small little town, suburb, you know. Um, Dublin Death Patrol. Dublin Death Patrol. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we were about an hour from the city or Berkeley where all the shows were, all the cool clubs. So we had to venture over there and we were just kids from the suburbs. All of a sudden we're in a big city, you know, in these shows. That's so, you know, it was a whole different scene for us. And, of course, me coming up listening to growing up with bands like Thin Lizzy, UFO and Dirty Scorps and stuff like that. You know, I came through a time right when that whole metal scene started developing in the Bay Area. Uh, you know, with Exodus and, you know, really kicking it off with, you know, their first demos and Bonded by Blood album and Metallica coming up and all the day in the dirt. So it was just, you know, a scene that was really, we didn't know then, you know, what was going on, but sure. it was something that, because I think back, it was like something that's so quick, man. It was like, man, this is fucking badass. And and it was the same group of people always at the same shows supporting a lot of things. And the interesting about that was how fast the Bay Area spawned bands. I was, I was kind of on the second wave because I came in 86, you know, 87 when I came in the first record came out. so. By the time Exodus and Metallica were in Slayer, were doing a lot of shows up in the Bay Area at the time. Um, well, that was the first much. Testament, right? There was somebody even before that. When did you well, start? There was performing? Legacy. The guys in Legacy were playing back in 83, 84, 85, you know, back then with those guys when Alex was, you know, 15, 16, when he was real young. Um, you know, when Zet was in the band and Zet left Legacy to join Exodus, you know, to do you know his first album with them that's such a fucking crazy story dude like it's all intermingled you guys are all from the same scene you know what i mean it's crazy how like you phil and 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 zet never ended up in a band like you guys all went off and started collectively your own great bands you know what i mean so it's fucking crazy you know well it's just weird the way it happens because zet was like really good best friends with my younger brother andy so zet was always at at my house always there and Zet would always have his leather jacket and his spikes and he was always listening to Priest and stuff like that. And, and uh, you know, and he was quite younger than me. So when he joined his band, you know, we're like, all right, let's go check them out. And when I went and seen him for the first time, well, I actually heard the demo for the first time. And at the first time, honestly, you know, a lot of brash metal, speed metal and stuff, I wasn't quite there yet, I don't think, you know, I was kind of until I got in Testaments where I really started developing myself and my taste for thrash metal music. Um, so when I first seen, heard it, I was like, wow, this is fast and, you know, and, but you know, wow, these kids are young and man, these songs are like mature for these, like, you know, 
15, 16, 17 year old guys, man, these three songs. And so we went seeing the show and it was, I was really impressed by Skolnick at the time, how young he was and how talented he was and the songwriting and everything. And, and then when Zet told me, it was a weird time because I'd been taking lessons. I went to college to take some vocal lessons and some theory and music guitar. And, and I was taking private lessons out in the city uh, for about a year and a half. And I came to the point where I finished them lessons. I was like, all right, time to find a band, you know? And right then Zed that said, hey man, you know, I'm, I'm leaving Legacy to join Exodus. Here's Alex Skolnick's number. Why don't you go call Alex and, and audition, you know, for this band? And I'm like, yeah, maybe I will, you know? So I grabbed the demo and I studied it. And that was my first time really going, okay, now I got to learn to sing this. Sure. You know, style of music, which was totally new to me after I'd been working about two years of trying to train to be a singer and train a voice and be melodic and, and that. And all of a sudden to find, okay, now the songs are real choppy and the tempos and the vocals are real like this instead of trying to flow over a melody. Sure. And <laughs> so it was something new to me and I was like, whoa, you know, and, and I really took the time and studied Zet stuff but I'd interpret it a little bit my way because I still try to do it my way with controlling the melody or the melodic tone of the note or whatever. So I did that. And I think when I was younger, I had a higher voice as well. So I was really kind of a screamer too. I was a little more screaming. And I did that more at the audition and got the gig with the guys, you know. And, and <laughs> You so know, you always knew you, you you always knew you wanted to be a singer. You never played like no, guitar. Or no, bass I was or I wanted to be a guitar player. I started. I was, I was Everybody the, wants to start. Though, as a I was a kid. Right? Dime a dozen guitar players. A dime a dozen. I was a kid in eighth grade. Had the guitar, always carrying it. Took the lessons all the way through school. And once I got out of high school, my younger brother had a band, Rampage, and all the guys in the band they all sang. And me and Zet used to go to their practices, and we and it was a back of a forty foot uh, trailer container that had on eggshells on the wall, and would be thrashing each other around in the back of the container. <laughs> and uh, and then one day they just said, "Hey man, you why don't you sing the lyrics for us today?" And so I said, "All right, I'll try it." And so I, I sang it, and then after the rehearsal, I go, "You're our new singer." I'm like, "All right, I'll, I'll okay, cool. I'm in a band. I'm guys in the band." And so that's when I said, well, well shoot, man, uh, I put down the guitar, so I guess I got to figure out how to, how to sing. Or, I, you know, I was so focused on guitar playing, I, I always ignored the lyrics and the, that part of the songs, really. I was always focused on the guitar rhythms. So is that why you're always shredding air guitar up there with your, with your mic thing? <laughs> right? Fuck it's, yeah. It's, it's a natural thing, you know, once I start singing, like, uh, uh, Okay, I'm not singing now. What am I gonna do now? Go take a bomb load, or you know, what? <laughs> you know what? So I, I always had that comfort of the staff, you know, and that's awesome. You know, and then, well, because I remember seeing you guys back in uh, fuck man, what I didn't remember what year it was, but it was it was a uh, testament, Slayer and Testament, right? You guys played Nassau Coliseum. Uh, I think it was on the on the practice what you preach uh, cycle. Right, I think uh, Slayer had just put out um, 1990 or something. Yeah, yeah, about 1990, I think. Valentine's Day Massacre, Nassau, right? And I remember all night you would you would swing that staff up and you know do that every, you know what I mean, into the crowd or whatever. Yeah. So because yeah. actually, if, I don't know if you know this, but Testament was actually my first metal game. That was my first metal show. It was uh, at the Ritz 
It was Testament, uh, Nuclear Assault, and Sabotage. Do you remember oh, that part? Yeah. Yeah. That was, I, was, I think that was Practice What You Preach, right? There was a Ritz at Long Island, Ritz? Uh, no, no, no. The Ritz in, in the Studio 54 Ritz in the city. Okay. Yep, that was my first metal show, right? I had been to one concert before that, but my first concert was, was Testament, right? So, wow. Right yeah. On, yeah, 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 dude. <laughs> <laughs> that scene was crazy up there, man. The show it was, was a crazy scene, there. but the funny thing was, it grew so fast, and all them bands, we never left the Bay. It's like all of a sudden we got a record deal, and the first time we all got to leave is like to go play a show somewhere. And most of us, it just happened to be like the Dynamo. You know, a lot of us Bayer bands at that time. Andre over there grabbed, you know, from Exodus to us, the Laws Rocket, the, you know, everybody. Bay Area Band Under the Sun, the Death Angel, everybody, and brought them over there to Holland. And that was like, you know, that was an experience for a uh, first time to Europe, going to Holland experience, you know. All your friends and shit, that must have been All so your friends. Fun, and How fucking you're, yeah. you're drinking at 18 and you're smoking weed and you're just like, wow, this is like, we're, we got play, play here all the time, you know, I mean. I mean, I think that's why we go to Europe still. I mean, you know, fight times a year. <laughs> now, is there is there talk about bringing? Because dude, the, that that let's 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 go back to that bill real quick. Uh, yeah. Testament Exodus Death Angel. I mean, that's that's a fucking great bill, right? And the the fans told us, and you can see it in the crowd and just the attendance for the shows in Europe for this tour. It was great. I mean, ask any band. We just every. The fans were all there, not not coming in for the headliners or anything. They were there from right when the doors opened, packed, ready for Death Angel, ready for everybody. And, and it was just, a, you know, all night. It was, I mean, it was like Slayer show, man. They were just ready to go. I mean, it was yeah, crazy. Yeah. So it was you, a great so, tour. And then, uh, you know, we talk about, we and we have said, we got to take this everywhere. I mean, we got to yeah, take this in America, take it wherever we can. And, and, you know, now there's a halt in making plans because agents kind of are at a standstill right now. Sure, sure, sure. So we'll see what happens. I mean, it's definitely something that you guys are going to try to do, right? Because that's, oh, I mean, dude, that's, that's a bill that's got to, you know, that's got to be a world tour, you know, that, that, that bill, right? So. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, we would have tried to have that in America sooner, um, but I know Exodus wants to get a record out and done. So hopefully Gary's... Uh, writing a record right now and uh, be busy. we got some time off um exodus will come out and have a new record that'll be awesome too you know so yeah yeah and you, and you guys just dropped one right what was the release yeah. date yeah uh ours came out april 3rd april so, 3rd okay uh, april yeah april 3rd so, and it's I mean, called titans of creation right so yeah titans of creation yeah and so a lot of a lot of bands seemed like they delayed their uh, they delayed releases. And, I mean, I was stoked yeah. to see that you guys went ahead and dropped because everybody's sitting at home anyway. Like, I'm yeah. I'm wondering what the logic is behind holding it back versus dropping them out. Well, that was the thought of it is that, um, you know, the campaign has already started from January 31st. You know, um, people are have a lot of time on their hands. We know it, no matter what, record sales, first week sales, it's all, you know, whatever, it's going to be affected. People need something new, something to smile, you know, so let's, let's release it, keep the campaign going. We feel pretty good about our record, you know, it's, I think it's a good record. I think once things clear up, people will get to stores and buy it or whatever, friends pass it on to them, it'll, 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 people get it in their hands, you know, so 
That's awesome. And, and, and by the time we get out there, we've already talked to the label Nuclear Blast about, you know, what can we do before touring happens again to possibly re-promote the record again and come up with some ideas that we've thrown out there. And I know one is, you know, I know a lot of people are doing performance stuff online, but I want to do something a little beyond it and maybe try to do something performance of the record of all the songs performance, um, either in a location, I think, you know, something in a cool setting, not just, you know, like we're doing here or, you know, in a rehearsal room or something, but do something yeah. cool. I don't know. I don't put it yeah. front of, trying to put it together, but something awesome. that we can release through Nuclear Blast to have an extra visual of the record as you listen and watch. Um, talking about doing some other um, special songs, maybe writing another song we're talking about. Um, possibly Bonus track or something. Well, releasing something, a new single possibly when we get ready to tour again. Um, I won't leave too much out, but we've been talking about that, um, releasing that as something special to relaunch the record again and reintroduce the record. Sweet. Um, yeah. Just so everyone knows, when right now, currently, when you go to um, and order like the Testament record and Testament merch, they are being personally packed by Eric Peterson and Chuck Billy, right? And Tiff. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. go out there and get your shit. Because when yeah. you order it, you literally will be having fucking yeah, exactly right. You literally pack all the shit and send it out, right, Chuck? You, yeah. You and, and every now and then, I see some friends' names, and I'll throw some special little stuff in there, a little, <laughs> special, little special little chief product or something in there, you know, something <laughs> special, you know. So that's you know, If you're that's my friends, if you order, you might get something special. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe put a note on the order and like knowing that it's going to be Chuck and Tiff and Eric sitting there helping. Yeah, back. I mean, you know, we've we've uh, we're in the middle of a, a new merch deal and things happen now, and we've decided let's slow down and let's take it back and and do what we can. We got time; we're sitting at home, you know. So let's go back old school. I mean, we used to do it ourselves before we, you know, got hired a company, and. Uh, I dig it, you know. So we, we've been we launched it. I think uh, two weekends ago, or maybe, or maybe a weekend ago. And oh yeah, because you're doing a bunch of the old posters and all kinds of stuff, right? Well, that that's my own stuff. That that's gotcha. I have Chuck's world. That uh, my own stuff. I, I've I've collect, I'm always the dog that takes like for years. All the guys in the band, we'd always get posters, and they're always left in the dressing room. And I'd be the always guy to go. You guys taking these? No, no. Okay. I'd roll them up, take them all home. Fuck yeah. So I've had posters that followed me around all my houses for 30 years that finally said, you know what? I'm going to go through this and see what the hell I got. So one day I finally went through the box and went through all of them. And I had so many classic stuff and so many multiples of them. I said, you know what? I'm going to sell all these, you know, and I'd sell them cheap, you know, and some of them are so good. Where, so wait, so that, that's separate than the Testament stuff? You have a separate well, if, website? Yeah, that, you got, if you go to testamentlegions.com and you go down to our merch page, it'll say Chuck's World. And if you hit okay. that Chuck's World banner, it'll take you all to my special stuff. And I got posters. I got, I had some special, what I, I'll, I have mics that I, I go through like a Myco capsule a week when I tour. Um, and, and I keep them up forever. So I've had these, mountain of capsules i finally said you know what i'm gonna sell them 
Are you, so did you sign them and shit? Sign them the capsules, and I have them dated from the tours I've been doing. So oh, that's fucking awesome! That. All the Slayer Farewell tours, I just sold all those. Like, and one one person bought all of them. I bet. So here's wow. the like, I got okay. The leg I'm gonna put up here soon. Um, so I got the Armada Mart tour. I got the 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 uh, Clash of the Titans. I got I got all kinds of mics. I got a mountain of them. And they're all documented. So give me give me your logic on your pricing because we were checking out some of the items and they are well, yes. all those are I mean, cool I as pay, shit. Selling for fifty bucks for my mic, you know. Well, because some of those posters you got up, dude, they're like you're selling for like twenty bucks. Those are worth so, hundred dollars, man. Yeah, so like, yeah, I mean, but, but I got but those are the ones the ones I sell for fifteen, ten, fifteen, twenty bucks. I probably have. 30 posters or something, you know? <laughs> uh, the, ones, the ones I'm selling for, I think my most expensive poster might only be 30 bucks, maybe, I think. It's crazy. So here's- uh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's a whole like poster trading. Exactly, I was gonna say, here's the, the only thing I was thinking is, I was like, you know, people are gonna jump all over this and then start flipping them to, to the like the fans that are like rabid about it and they're willing to pay you know whatever the hell it takes so some w single dude is going to be like i sign them for them you know i put on my them you know let, you want them signed i'll sign them you know personalizing them or whatever that's cool you know so i've been doing them and sending them out and no it's cool as shit to do them like that I my mean. next the next stuff i have i have equipment i got these delay pedals uh, I got all kinds of crap that I'm finding on, man. I got laminates, tons of laminates from 30 years of laminates, you know? So, bro, I, I can't even oh, tell you the amount so of cool. I, I bet you guys have all the same stuff. So, I mean, it's stuff that I got in box that I'm not going to do anything with. So, I'm going to share it and get rid of it. So, I Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, dude, people, that's you know? cool. That's a cool, you know, little thing to have, right? Like a laminate. That's personal. You know what I mean? That's real personal. Of, uh, you know what I mean? So that that's a cool, uh, like, uh, sentiment or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, cool, I mean, uh, I, like, and, and I'm probably undercutting myself. Like, I, I sold my Dublin Death Patrol original art piece, the original cover. Someone snapped that up real quick. I have the second one I'm going to put up here soon. But, you know, I, there's, I have all kinds of just some cool stuff, man, uh, <laughs> that, you know, I want to share. Well, so Chuck, I mean, I got a dozen other things that I want to talk to you about, but we can have you back later too. Before we break, I want to talk about the Lord Vapor products real quick, because you had the entire half of the semi that was hauling y'all's gear when we were on the road yes. with, yeah. with, with Lord Vapor on it. And then I've blazed out of a couple of those. Like where where did you get involved um, first in the Lord Vapor products? Um, and then, you know, give, I guess, give me the story. Like, how involved are you now? Do you design that stuff? Like, what got what pulled you into that side of the industry? Uh, well, of course, I love smoking marijuana. <laughs> but <laughs> I have a friend that's a musician. Um, <clears throat> he grew up kind of like um, designing websites, like porn sites, really, I guess, was his thing. And uh, started getting into vaporizing products and he wanted to develop Lord Vapor, and uh, and he called me up because he wanted to do these novelty items with metal guys. He's a Bay Area metaler, and he wanted to support Bay Area musicians, and so he approached me. I said, yeah, sure, let's do it. And um, so, you know, the first deal, we just had a vaporizer, you know, the first edition one. And I think we ordered, I don't know, maybe 2,000 or maybe like two or 5,000 of those. We sold, we sold for like a hundred bucks, you know? So we had, we had, that was a good run we had on that. And um, 
that lasted a few years and then Adam kind of went to the wayside and decided to sell the company. So at, the, at that time, things kind of slowed down. And I really didn't know where it was going to go. And the new owner who bought Lord Daper approached me and said, hey, you know, I, I see the chief line and I still am interested in the chief line. Um, why can't we cut a deal? And I said, sure. So I said, if we're going to do it, I really want to expand it more than just the weed vaporizer. I want to do some more oil and stuff like that. And, um, and, and some other things and, and some pipe products and some other things. So he said, sure. So he got back to me. He developed a few products, um, the war drum, which is a vaporizer. And um, that's the dry herb one, right? That's actually like yeah. it, it shoots yeah. with a torch. So the unlike dryer. a normal, yeah, like it'll, it's almost like a portable bowl more than it is a just well, a that bowl, one, right? Yeah, well, the tomahawk, that's the tomahawk. the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, do I, have I, that yeah one? I got that one. That one's dope. <laughs> that, one is, that one is pretty dope. Somewhere. But the tomahawk, uh, where is that sucker? It's uh, that one, that one's burnt herb. That one has a lighter built in it. And yeah. Comes with these little canisters. That's a little crafty. Um, yeah, because you yeah. can stash a little bit of weed with you and like it's like a little portable. Yeah. And then the, the other one was the new model, the you know, of course the chief here just comes with a handy handy little bag and stuff and and that's for like a five ten vaporizer, right? And this yep. is uh, you know, for, for Yeah, that's that one that's the one. That's I, yeah. I got that one. And this one, this is a nice got a little magnetic top, you know, comes on that's, it. That's the new style too. That's like this, your two dot one here. Yep. So yeah, they, they they designed it. Came out nice little pouch and nice little. Where, where do you where where, where where can you get that stuff? This is at Lord Vapor. You can still go to okay. LordVaporPens.com. Cool. And there's a whole chief section. It has all the products there. You guys are still shipping during pandemic time. All that shit. Yeah, everything's still going. You know, everything's online for him. But you know, of course, as business has been growing and shops popping up everywhere and course you know online sales always slow down so it's more of a novelty thing fans to find it and me to push sure. it when, when i'm touring i guess you know i guess a lot of fans will find it that way can we get into your your uh can we get into your cancer real quick the, yeah. like all that stuff you know yeah. what I mean? like you had you had cancer right you just oh yeah yeah it. yeah i did i mean i don't know if i ever talked to you about my whole native uh stories i went and i went I've, through that I read a little about it, but I, I mean, I'd love to hear Man, it. Man, there's some wild I mean, we never stuff. Got into it, so. but, you know, like when I found out, you know, I mean, I'm always in a big believer things happen for a reason, you know, and, and, you know, maybe it wasn't my time to go yet, but it all started when this realtor knocked on my door when I lived in San Leandro, telling me that she had this customer, a doctor that wanted to buy my house. And I'm like, well, I'm not selling my house, you know, and, you know, by the way, how much, you know, and then they mm -hmm. shot me a number and I said, well, you know, they sure. you know, they're, they're offering us this kind of cash here. Sold. And, <laughs> and that was our first house we had bought, you know, and what uh, year was this? Um, well, we bought that house. Well, we were in that house in 92 or something like that. Okay. And, um, but, it, I would, but, but we had that house, but because we first rented it and we bought it and then couple years of owning it right before I got sick in 2000 that's when she knocked on the, the door in 2000 okay and said she had someone to buy it I'm like no and and she hit me with the price and and at the time I was jamming with the Giorgio and John Allen from Sadus out in Antioch 
and um and because we're kind of like you know did demonic 97 so 98 and it was, it was a weird time for the band at the time so i decided you know what get a lot of house let's move out to the country kind of out there get out of the bay and we did it and because we did it we had to go get new doctors cody was young and he had to get a new doctor and and i never got physicals or seen a doctor up to that point since like football season in high school and sure. so our friend john allen who played drums his wife worked at the local hospital and she turned us on to the doctor and said um, you know here he is so we went all got physicals and they found the cancer that day when i went and got my physical got home and told tiffany you know she's like well what doctor say and i'm like well, he said I had cancer and, I, and it didn't hit me until I said it right then and just kind of like, whoa, it just took it out of me and really just felt down and just kind of sat down with her kind of cried it through for the day and just, you know, just, you know, and just really down, you know, and like didn't scared really, I guess. Fuck yeah. And, and, uh, but Fuck. then the next day I woke up like pissed off saying, you know, fuck this, you know, I'm fuck fight this shit, bullshit. And so started thinking what I was going to do. And so I called a doctor and thinking, okay, we're going to start facing this with a different attitude and started, you know, right away getting, you know, treatment. Well, they did the autopsy or the biopsy. And first they went in through my neck here and they went down to pierce because I had a tumor about this big size of a squash in my chest here. Wow. And they oh. didn't pierce it enough. So the test came back, not enough. So they had to go in through the side. And once they went inside and pierced it, it kind of punctured it. Then it started spilling. And they're like, okay, uh, chemo Monday right away. Come in right away. And I was doing oh, about six hours of chemo five days a week, you know, for a few months. And, uh, you know, lost all my hair, lost all that stuff. And so during all that, I decided, you know, I, I was born, my mother was very religious Catholic. And I, you know, I, I grew up with her sending me, you know, always going to church and going to, uh, you know, not a Catholic school, but um, after school uh, studies to like ninth grade. Very, my mom was very religious. And, uh, you know, she, she so when I decided that I wanted to go my native roots, you know, I called up my cousin and my friend and, um, and my friend, Nancy, she, she's uh, really believes in natives and been a friend for a long time. And she told me one day when I was in LA and had a show and we met at the rainbow, mm -hmm. she said, Hey, I got, you got to meet this guy, Charlie. He's this medicine man. And he totally reminds me he could be your brother. You got to meet him. And really? met, and um, she says, but I had this dream that you were sitting around this campfire and you guys are putting on war paint together about to go into this battle together. And I'm like, whatever, Nancy, you know, have another drink or whatever. And didn't ever think about it. And then once I got sick, uh, one day Charlie showed up to my house unannounced. I didn't know he, he was coming, knocked on my door and we, it felt like we'd met for the first time. And, uh, he came in and was going to do a healing ceremony on me. And uh, he sat me down. I laid down in my living room and he had uh, his eagle's feather and a flute and he was chanting and I was laying there and I can hear the wind and wolves howling. And I, I was like, I was floating on my back, just 
you know, floating, you know, here in the wind and the, and the wolves and chanting. And after that, he sat me down. He goes, hey, so I'm going to tell you some things. It's not going to make any sense, but when things start falling into place, you're going to understand and it's going to make sense. But the wind's going to be your spirit guide through this to help you get through this. And I didn't know what he meant. And he was gone that fast and he left and I never seen him again after that. And so... Were yeah, you skeptical at that point? Like, were you still like, you know, like, ah, this guy, is he out of there? Or were you kind of, you know... Well, I, I, I didn't know what to think at that time. I just got a heal, healing ceremony. And when he had his eagle's feather, you know, he waved it across my chest here. And, and I don't know, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. Thought I felt like something in my, you know, in me. And um, so weeks went by and we were having party. And I was having these stomach issues and I couldn't use a restroom. And I was having stomach problems. And one day we had a, a, a party and on the side of my house, what, that night I couldn't sleep and it was really windy that night. And I went downstairs in the guest room, bathroom, and outside the bathroom, there was some beer cans spinning around, clink, 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 like in a tornado. And I sat on the toilet and shit something out, basically. And, and right when I did, I had this overwhelming sensation that I just got rid of the, the sickness or the cancer or got rid of something, a, a sensation. And as that happened, the wind stopped and the beer cans hit the ground. And I was just like, like simultaneously with the, simultaneously, with the dump? simultaneously. And I went upstairs and woke up Tiff and said, Tiff, um, I just shit the cancer out downstairs. I, I don't have a <laughs> anymore. Like, shut up, you know. And I'm like, seriously, I mean, something, I, something happened. And um, so that week, I went back to do my blood work to see the markers again. And the doctor's like, hey, your tumor's cancer free. And I'm like, me and Tiff were like. What? Shut up. Shut up. What? You know, like, see, I told you. I told you. <laughs> you know, I told you. I, I, I was serious. Like, I know that that's a shit, a shit that's full of cancer and a shit that doesn't have cancer. I know that's you know, so, you know, at that point, I was like really um, a believer at this. This, I was believing. So, I, I went on a mission. I went and seen two more medicine men at that point, and my friend Tommy had an uncle up in the mountains and um, he, the guy, this guy Lupin, he's a direct descendant of Geronimo and he lives and raises wild wolves. And my friend Tommy, um, Eric was up there with us, him and his family. And um, I went to see him and he was gonna help me, show me some techniques, how to shrink the tumor this, this size because it was too big to operate to get it small enough to have an open heart surgery. And so, they said, well, when you go see him, though, you have to approach him. There's going to be wolves. So when he got to his house, where he said, in the car, there's wolves there and small wolves and dens carved under the roots of the trees. Like, we're straight wolves. Straight wolf wolves. wolves. Yeah. And so we're sitting there, and, and John, my friend T's uncle, and he's friends with Lupin, says, you got to walk up there. If the wolves show aggression, don't look at him, turn around and walk back, come back. What really? And I said, All right. So, Fuck that, dude. yeah. So I said, Cody, coming with me. My son Cody was only 14 at the time. So, you come with So, I'm way here. Okay. So, I went, walked through, and I walked through and got to the porch and met Lupin and said, Well, I want to bring my son in and brought my son. And he brought the wolves back. And he had one, the main wolf was giant and 
it was like right by him. And, and so he brought my son in and Eric and everybody else stayed in the car and looked at the wolves in front. He sat me down and showed me some, some techniques, mentally how to focus your energy on the tumor. And basically what it was is like, okay, um, you know, it was like, you know, if you have an ailment, something telling you, focus in your mind, put that, put a circle around that ailment, you know, wherever it is in your body, put a, put now put a circle it, you know, contain it. Now take whatever represents the most strongest image, healing power, whatever the color that is represents, put that color in there right now and, and do that. But before we did that, he, he said, what you need to do is connect with the earth. Pretend like you're just reaching your arms down as far as you can, connecting your soul and body with the earth and with the energy of the earth. It was just all crazy. I mean, it was like, wow, when I'm telling you this and saying it, but he's telling me this stuff and I'm believing and it's a whole disbelief of what's happening. You know? awesome. Yeah, and then and, and we got out of there. And so I, I did do that for a few weeks, so, but I left wait, there. Wait, so when you walked up, the wolves didn't show any aggression at all? No aggression. No aggression. And I got up. Shit, and, dude. Yeah. So I, he, were so, you scared? Like, were you I like, mean, if I the wolves was, don't and, like and you, I wonder what goes all down. Pups. There was pups there. I'm thinking, someone's going to attack me because I'm the pups. I'm, like, That's what I'm saying. Like, too close to the pups. You know? <laughs> Fuck, dude. If you're not worthy, I wonder how many people just go screaming from the place. Ah, ah. Well, I don't hey, know how many hey, people hey, have that hey. opportunity because they were really close friends. And, and they lived up in the Sierra foothills and there wasn't a lot around, you know, and he lived, a, they lived a pretty quiet, peaceful life up there, you know. You wouldn't be worthy, Warren. Dave, you, I was just going to say, you would have got eaten by the first wolf right away. You I step wouldn't. out of the car, the wolf those would have been out right been, away. They would have been chilling. Right after that, we jumped in our car, me and Tommy and them, and I had, I just got like a new Suburban. I took my son and we went to L.A. at the time. And this was the time in L.A. when they were having the, all the floods down there, massive floods in L.A. And so I went down there and seen my friend Nancy, who had the dream, stayed at her house, me, Tommy, and my son. And we we're going to go with her to go see Lupin, who was up in the foothills of Santa Barbara Mountains to do a sweat lodge and uh, do a healing there as well. And in that night, we were in L.A. It was like raining like mad and everything was wiped out. She's like, well, it doesn't look like we're going to get to go there in the morning. And I'm like, you know, bullshit, we're going. You know, I can't come this far. We're going. So we woke up in the morning and it's not a bad day. And we, we take off, we start going up the grapevine back towards, uh, you know, San Francisco. And as we started getting up the hill, I mean, it's raining like motherfucker. And as we get up to the top to our exit to head uh, west towards the ocean, um, it stops raining and the sun breaks out. And it's beautiful, shining down. And we're driving through, we're like, oh, this is cool. The sun looks like the sun stopped. And all of a sudden it starts raining or hailing and then it starts <laughs> snowing and then it starts raining again. And we're like, what the fuck's going on, man? We're, we're going through all these elements, you know, we're tripping out, you know, and, and where we got to go up to the mountain up there, we had to off road about 10 miles uh, off road uh, to get up to the sweat lodge. So we get up to the foot of the mountain there and the last of the hill to get up to the lodge is at the bottom and it had been muddy from the rain and weather. And I'm like, bullshit, man, we're going, man. I'm, I got just got the Suburban. We're, I'm testing out the four wheel drive, man. Lock them up, man. We get in there and, and we hit it. And we get up top and we fly up top and we make it. 
And as soon as we get up there, they're like, oh, you're right on time. We're about to go into a sweat. They're heating up the rocks, you know, because they used all the rocks to heat up the sweat lodge. And so we get up there and it's snowing out there at this time. And, and we're out there, there's the fire connected to the sweat lodge because I'll have to be connected. And, and they want my son in there because young energy is great energy in the sweat lodge. So they want him in there. And here we are standing in our boxers with a towel around our neck in, in the <laughs> snow and my son. And we're sitting there, we're like, are you cold? And he's like, no, I'm like, I'm not cold either. And it's snowing, we're sitting there tripping like, this is trippy, I'm tripping out. And like, it, it was like, it was a, it's a real, like unreal, like experience, you know, out of body experience almost. Cause here we were like in the snow, you know, in our boxers, you know, barefooted. And you're not, and you're not freezing your we're ass. We're not off. freezing. It's fucking crazy. And we're sitting there, and then we get in the sweat lodge and we do our thing, and and then, you know, and then we do a healing ceremony down in the fire pit. And this, it's been that lodge has been there so long. The fire that started on top is now down in rows and seating all the way down to the bottom of the fire pit. You know. Wow. So it was just this whole massive thing where I say, you know. I, my mom raised me to be Catholic and, and, and stuff to be, um, uh, what's the word, I guess. I guess I'm more spiritual. I want to say spiritual than um, uh, religious, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Where I'm, yeah. my mom raised me religious. Where now, but now you're more spiritual. I, I'm more spiritual and have an older <laughs> look about things like that, you know. And that's yeah. all been cleared for years now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that whole experience was why I don't even look back, you know, I mean, and, and when I finally had that open heart surgery, you know, my, my tumor finally was about that small, you know, after all, wow. all so that. It worked and it all worked. For me, I think it worked. And that's it. If it didn't, it, whatever it, 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 the outcome was what I wanted and what I was thinking positively, what I was, the goal was. And it happened and, you know, and even to the point when I had my open heart surgery, I was on the table, I believe about 10 hours and they were like, okay, it's a long wow. time. I, I had damaged uh, heart valve and I was supposed to have it replaced with a pig valve. And I was open so long and they ended up having to close me back up and saying, I'm going to come back and, and have another surgery for that to repair that valve. Fuck, but, man. but I don't know, a week later or so, so the doc checks and says, you know what, I don't know what's up, but that valve's working fine now. That's awesome. Yeah, so well, like, yeah. Dude, well, you're fucking Chuck fucking Billy. I don't bro. know, man. That's, man. Right. Like, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I've been very fortunate to, you know, have, you know, my spiritual angels, uh, you know, you know, be with me to, you know, guide me. I don't know, man. It's like, you know, I, I had that, the cancer scare. And then after that, I had the diabetes scare. I'm, I, I kind of overcame that now. And I okay. overcame my hep C now, you know, with the new wow. medication these days. And, you know, I just it keeps keep throwing them at me, man. I'm still looking for <laughs> yeah. turtle. He's an invincible fucking warrior, man. You're a very invincible. Canadian warrior, bro. You know, that's just going to take you down, dog. You know what I mean? So. That's good shit. <laughs> Yeah. Well, dude, I'm stoked you were able to come on, man. Like, yeah, I mean, man, it's, it's awesome. Been, it's been a privilege. Like, yeah, I mean, dude, thank you so much for fucking coming. On. I had a fucking really good time, dude. I mean, you oh, know, yeah. it was, it's basically like sitting in the back of our back lounge and fucking blowing it out. <laughs> yeah. you know I mean? yeah. So, real quick, one time when I was working for Testament, when we played LA, remember that uh, um, your cousin Steph from Deftones showed up, 
Yeah. And we fucking remember how bad we blew out that fucking dressing room bed. <laughs> <laughs> Steph can blaze. Steph knows hey. how to smoke. Well, well thanks dude, for so coming on, dude. Yeah, we, I mean, there's, dude, next time we have we got to have you back, and there's a bunch of other stuff we got to talk about, right? Like your, your stuff in the Smithsonian, or you're more into your, 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 your heritage and your background and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Well, so, and it yeah, sounds like you're more classically trained than I knew, right? So I want to hear about that sort of stuff. I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever, you know, I, I'm always interested in everybody's musical background. And you can hear my new, my new venture. I, I've been uh, flipping houses. Then, really? Uh, yeah, actually, I started a company about a year ago, but now that I'm off, I'm really kicking it into overdrive and putting a team together. But uh, I've been partnering up with a guy in Arizona over flipping houses right now. And sick. Uh, is there going to be? What do you not do? Bro? Is that going like, to be a reality oh, show? When do you have time to like flip houses and pack merch and fucking sing in a band? Like, oh shit! Great <laughs> right, to do a reality show for it. I, I was approached about it of something if I was interested. But that's what kind of first got me moving towards it but now i've been I, like i said i i, <laughs> I was just kidding that's fucking yeah. perfect i would totally watch that show <laughs> I could go yeah, between tours and after tour and Fuck that's yeah. where i was going right when i got home from Hold europe on. i was on my bro, way to la to a wait, food wait, wait, camp. Wait. i'm having an idea right now bro it's chuck billy versus vanilla ice on flipping houses right yeah <laughs> dude somebody pick it up right now dude wait does uh, vanilla ice does Vanilla Ice flip houses? Vanilla Ice yeah. flips houses in Florida. Oh, yeah, oh, oh yes. yes, yes. Oh, yeah, bro. East Coast, West Coast. Yes. That's what I'm saying, yeah. dude. Hell yeah. Bay Area versus Florida, right? So it'd be on. The Billy dude. Club, the Billy Club <laughs> West Coast versus East Coast. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, but no, that's something that's something I'm I'm really gonna start kicking off and launching and doing and having fun with because you know that kicks ass. I, I, I've been doing that with a few of my houses over the years and then something me and tip like doing i'm like you know we, we could start a business my son's going to be involved with it and do you guys and, do some uh, of the work i mean you know how to do some of that stuff yourself or at least beat the, yeah. shit out of the contractor yeah, no, i'm going to yep. be jumping in my rv i think in two weeks and heading to arizona and and start doing some demo and on a house that we're going to start damn Yo, so check this out dave if you ever work for testament right and you start the testament tour you go to where the storage is you know who's putting gear into the fucking truck Chuck yeah. fucking Billy, bro. Oh, yeah. All right, you know, you know what I mean. Right. So that's how it rolls around there. One, you know, that's like right. when I read that tour, Chuck, we had to be like, "Yo, Chuck, get out of here." Stop <laughs> 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 touching stuff, man. We got it, like you know what I mean. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah no, I like being hands on, but that you know, this is something I, you know, hopefully, you know, for my son, you know, for down the road, something to do, and you know, for the future. Go cool, guys, <laughs> we're, we're right on. We'll, we'll, we'll fucking hey, dude. Thanks again for 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 coming on and doing this, man. So. Had a lot of fun. Dude, so. Yeah, man. All right. Appreciate oh, yo, you, dude. Wait, wait, real quick. Hold on. So, real quick, Chuck, you need to uh, watch Karate Kid. I was going to say, right? you, get, you and Tip should probably. Kid, and the next time we have you on, we will finish this Karate Kid fucking discussion. Me and Tip are going to watch it tonight. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> yes. Perfect. <laughs> Love it. All right, dog. Thank All you right. again, Chuck Philly. Thanks hey, for coming on, man. <laughs> so, I'm going to have to watch me some Karate Kid. And I'm Dude, <laughs> I'm gonna take notes. You will, you better. What you're supposed to watch it last night, man? Well, you know. What, I got I, I got busy. I got busy, and I need to watch Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai actually made me better. I just saw a preview for season three of Cobra Kai. Everything about it may actually be better than the original Karate Kid. I'm just there's saying. no Mr. Miyagi, bro. So I mean, I gotta watch it. I will watch. Is Miyagi it. not in it? No, he's dead. 
yeah. He died, right? He died of fucking, you know? Hmm. Hard to put him in there then. They could hologram him. <laughs> <laughs> like Obi-Wan Kenobi? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, like Yoda, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they could do that. They do it with like Tupac and shit, don't they? Or they did it with Dio, right? Did they make a show concert with him and yeah, everything? Some right? shit like that, I think. Yeah. I don't fucking know. Whatever, dude. All right. All right. That's a pretty good episode so, number two.